It's Monday, December the 3rd, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Bogota, Colombia. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we are joined by Dr. Rick, our VP of Engagement. Dr. Rick will walk us through Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 31. Hi there once again. Thank you for joining us on the Defender Podcast. This is Rick Morton. Um, We're going to be continuing our study of the book of Luke today, um, looking at Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, go in from verse 12 um, through verse 42. And um, at the point that we come to in Luke um, for today's study, uh, remember last week we finished, just finished up with the, the passage about um, Ananias and Sapphira. And, and so the church is in a, in a really interesting and, and kind of vulnerable position at this point. Um, they have just seen two of the leaders of the church that have been um, struck dead by lying to the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's no doubt caused uh, a stir within the church, caused a lot of introspection in the lives of the people in the church. And and so this morning we're gonna uh, we're gonna kind of look at the church reestablishing itself after the death of of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, one thing before we jump into the study that I really want to point out to you um, is that we're beginning to see a pattern develop that continues throughout the book of Luke, um, and and it's a pattern where um, where Luke alternates between um, looking at the fellowship within the church um, and then looking at the church as it relates to the world. And so it's kind of looking internally at the church and then Luke alternates to talk about externally and how the church is relating to the world. And then he comes back and talks about internally um, the dynamics of, of the things that are going on within the church as they're, as they're learning how to be um, the people of God on mission in, in the midst of the world. And, and so, um, and I think we, you know, we can see that there are a couple of extremes that can happen. Um, Internally, as the church becomes focused on the inside, we all know that that's a, a tendency that we have in, in, in churches that we're a part of, that we, we can become so engrossed in what's going on within our church that we forget about what's going on on the outside. And it's been said that an isolated church becomes ultimately a forgotten church. Um, that when the church is is looking inwardly um, and only inwardly, um, that that ultimately we lose that influence that that the Lord desires for us to have um, in the world. But also a serving church um, with, that that's that's on mission, but without fellowship, um, without that that fellowship of unity within the body, ultimately is going to become nothing more than a social service institution, uh, because ultimately our fellowship is had around. Um, the, the work of Jesus and, and, and how God has collected us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so today um, we're looking at the, the dynamics of, of, of what sort of what happens um, internally and what happens externally um, to the church in this, in this moment after um, the, the, the death of Ananias and Sapphira. If we pick up in verse 12, it says, And many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Uh, Believers were added to the Lord uh, in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. And so 
So the situation we see that's going on in the church is that there are many things that the Holy Spirit is doing through the church. And, and although um, there was persecution going on around, God was still adding to the church and people were coming um, by, by, by in droves to, to come to know the Lord through the influence of the church. It also says that, that, the, that the church was becoming known in the community. It says in verse, verse 15, it says, as a result, they would carry their sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats that whenever Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, the multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by evil spirits, and they were all healed. In other words, there was this extraordinary thing that was happening by the Holy Spirit where, where even as, as Peter was walking down the street, merely the touch of his shadow um, resulted in people being healed. And so people are coming, um, The and, and we're actually literally seeing the fulfillment of Acts 1-8 happen right here um, in this moment, that, that, the, that the gospel is spreading, the renown of Jesus is spreading beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. It's, it's, it's moving out from Jerusalem. Now, certainly we want to want to say in in what we see here in verse 14 about the signs and wonders that the Lord is doing that that the that this isn't normal this isn't normative um that God is doing something extraordinary outside of the 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 bonds of of nature um to see these people saved ultimately though we have to keep in in mind that it's something that is about um, it's about the gospel, and it's about making Jesus known, and it's about bringing people to the church. Um, and and so I think you know many times we we hear about um, preachers and churches and things and people that claim you know all of these really extraordinary things about um, you know and, and sometimes even you know it, it, it's it's strange people want you know send me money and I'll send you a prayer cloth or those kinds of things and you'll be healed. I think what we want to keep our, our mind on here is is that we know that God can work outside of the natural, but that sign, but that if signs and wonders aren't a symbol, uh, they aren't a symbol of salvation. They're a tool of it, and we have to beware of signs and wonders um, when we don't see it attached to the kind of thing that we see here in in Acts chapter five, where uh, where people are coming to know the Lord. And so I think, you know, when we see extraordinary moves of the Holy Spirit and we wonder is, or, or we see an extraordinary thing happen and we say, you know, is, is this of God? One of the tests that we can really, um, you know, can, can apply to it is, is how is this, um, how is it furthering the gospel? Um, you know, Lifeline, we see all the time things that are, that are miraculous in the ways that families get two children, in the ways that families bring children home, in the way that orphans are cared for around the world, in the way that God's putting families back together. We see things that are, that are outside of the natural norm, and we know that they're of the Holy Spirit. But one of the tests that we know that it's truly of the Holy Spirit is, is the fact that, we, that, that these things are also things that are being, being used to draw people um, to salvation that can only be found in Christ. Um, and so, so we see that, that at this point, there's this incredible, miraculous um, thing going on, and, and it makes the Jewish leaders in the community uneasy. It says, Then the high priest rose up in verse 17, and he and all who were with him, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles, and they put, put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail at night and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and tell the people about this life. 
And hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So, so in other words, what's going on here is that, that the Jewish leaders are incredibly upset, and they're upset for three reasons. One, because of the name of Jesus. They're upset because of the work that, um, that's being done in the, in, in the name of Jesus. And, and we know that the Philippians 2, verse 9 through 11, tells us that, that God bestowed on Jesus the name that is above every name, and that the name of Jesus is something that offends the enemy, to defends Satan. It defends the, the, the powers of Satan. It defends the world. The gospel itself is offensive. And so the Jewish leaders were, were confronted with the name of Jesus, and it made them angry. It made them uneasy. Um, a second reason that they were upset was because of the resurrection. The Sadducees particularly hated the gospel because it violated their theology. They had a closely held theology that says that there is no such thing as the resurrection. And something we have to remind, remember and something that we can draw out of this story is, is remembering that the gospel is always going, to, to, going to, to offend and to violate dead religion. And so the, these, these men that were trying to hold on to the practice of their religion because of what it did socially and because of the power that it gave and because of how it galvanized the community together, ultimately they didn't believe in the power of the God to raise people um, from the dead. And, and, and so they, they wanted this gospel stamped out. The third reason they wanted the gospel stamped out is because they were jealous. It says right here in the text that they, um, that they were jealous and, and they wanted the name of Jesus stamped out because it would threaten their comfort and their power. Um, I think for us, we can always uh, look introspectively about that as well and say that, that we want to be on guard for jealousy in our own hearts that opposes the gospel because we are not being elevated. Sometimes the, the conflicts that happen in churches, the conflicts that happen between believers, the, sometimes the conflicts that even happen between pastors, if we're really honest, they boil down to the fact that, that it's not about what the person is doing or teaching or anything else. It's about the fact that, that we harbor within us still the, the taint of the curse of sin and, and that we're jealous for the success that someone else is getting. We're jealous for, for, for what, we, what we see happening in others, and we want that for ourselves. And it's that part of us that, that, that's yet to be completely sanctified where we want to be important. We want to be the ones on the throne. And, and so I think even as we look at the Jewish leaders, we can take away from it that we are not far from being susceptible to the same things. May the Lord deliver us by the power of the gospel. May Jesus shape us more in his image to be men and women who, who, who love the success of the gospel and, and are willing humbly to sacrifice for it as opposed to, as, to having to, um, to elevate ourselves. Now, as the, the, the persecution here escalated, um, the, 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 the apostles were literally thrown in prison, a public prison, so people would know that they were in prison and, and so that they could be made an example of. And the angel of the Lord delivers them, right? They just end up right back out on the street, um, and they go back to the temple, um, which is what the, what the angel told them to do, and they start teaching again. And so here are the high priests who have thrown them into jail, and then you know the next morning they come back out, and they're supposed to be in jail, and they're right back in the temple teaching again. It says, um, again, in the latter part of verse 21, when the high priest and those who were with him arrived, um, they, con they convened the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites, and sent orders to, um, to the jail to have them brought. But when the servants got there and they did not 
find them in the jail, so they returned and reported, and, and we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing in front of the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. As the camp, cap, captain of the temple police and the chief priest heard these things, they were baffled about them, wondering what would come of this. Someone came and reported to them, look, the men that you put in jail are standing at the temple and teaching the people. Then the commander went with the servants and, and brought them in without force because, because they were afraid of the people, that the people might stone them. In other words, so, so they arrested them, they threw them in jail, the, the, the apostles went back to the temple and, and started preaching again, and, and the, 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 the minions of the chief priest went back out and arrested them again, and the apostles came quietly with them. Why? Because they had the incredible confidence that God had already delivered them, that God was already for them, and that they didn't, they didn't have to be concerned. And it says, it says then they, they brought them and it, it, to stand before the Sanhedrin, and the high priest asked, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now, and, and Peter then stands up. It says, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. Um, God exalted this man to his right hand as, as savior and ruler to give repentance to Israel uh, and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And this little teaching, this, this little paragraph that, that, uh, that's kind of the summation of, of Peter's um, sermon here is, is literally something that's become um, an incredibly important um, piece of, of, of the teaching of the gospel. It's a pattern, actually, that we see throughout um, the New Testament, and it's actually called the, the kerygma or called the, the teaching. And, and so... Um, so, so Peter basically summarizes the gospel, um, you know, to these people. Um, he, he, he takes this opportunity to summarize the gospel to them. Well, where did the courage come from for, for the apostles to walk right up in the face of these leaders who had the power to jail them, who ultimately had the power to kill them, and to boldly proclaim the gospel in front of them? It's because, it's because the apostles had the same, same kind of courage that we, that we see from uh, from. Paul in, in Ephesians chapter one, you know, Paul is writing from a jail cell and, and he says in the midst of his being imprisoned and, and likely he thinks at that point being brought to death, he says, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul goes through this incredible soliloquy where, where he talks about this idea that, 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 so like, what can they do to me? If they kill me, fantastic, I'll be in the, in the presence of Jesus and, and I'll be out of the suffering of this life. But if they leave me here, that's great too because I still have life in order to, to be able to proclaim the gospel. And, and so literally, um, th there, is, there is a rage that comes over the, the chief priest. Look in verse 33, it says, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. So, so literally, they were, they were able to go into, into an incredibly frightening situation and with a cool head to be able to proclaim the gospel and give what, what's, a, what, what's, what's the pattern of a teaching that's become like an outline for the gospel that, that the church used over and over and over again throughout the history of, of the first century church. To, to give this outline of the simplicity of the gospel of here, here's who Jesus is and this is what he's done and this is how he paid the penalty for our sins and, and, he, and he rose and he's at the right hand of the Father and he's alive and he has hope for you. 
And so in the middle of their rage then, there's this one Pharisee named Gamaliel who, who stands up to speak. It says in verse 34, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. He said to them, men of Israel, be careful about what you are about to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutius rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men rallied to him, he, and he was killed, and his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. After this, after this man, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. He also perished, and all his followers were scattered. So the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone, for if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail." But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. So Gamaliel stands up and he gives this incredibly rich and, and prophetic teaching. And he says, we've seen this over and over and over again where people have risen up and they've said they were the Messiah and they've taken a group of people and they've had a band of followers and then they end up, they, they're killed. And when they're killed, it amounts to nothing. The people disperse and they go away and it has absolutely no effect. And it, and it, and it just dissipates and fizzles. And so his, his counsel to the Sanhedrin at this point is, is let's just let this play out and see what happens. And we know what happens when it played out. That Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah who's come to take away the sins of the world. He is the conquering king. And, the, and part of the way that we know that is the incredible spread of the gospel and the incredible reach of the kingdom that we even can see evidence of today. The, the, literally, the, the, the name of Jesus is, is known and renowned around the world, that, that, the, that the power of Jesus has been, has been talked about at the four corners of the world, that literally we even count time today um, in, our, in our dating system around the birth of Jesus. Jesus has become this important central figure um, for, for life and, and for um, and, 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 and for wisdom and for understanding. And why? Because Jesus is who he says he is. But, but Gamaliel here, he, he says, you know, very, very prophetically, he says to them, look, let's, let's, just, let's just take a deep breath and, and let's let this play out. Let's see what happens. And if it's really true and if it's really of God, then it'll, prove, it'll be proven that it's really true and that it's really of God. But we don't want to be people who are found opposing God. I've really been convicted after, after reading this passage and, and studying this passage and just realizing that, that in the social media culture that we live in, that, that we have, have in many ways become a people um, that, are, that are, we live in an outrage culture. We, we live in a culture where, where something happens, where news hits the ground, and, and immediately people engage it, and, and they begin to, you know, to, to passionately engage it on social media, and we have debates and fights and things, and, and the truth is maybe we should, in those things, listen to the, to the wise counsel of Gamaliel, that sometimes taking a deep breath and waiting is the most advisable thing for us to do. That, that in the midst of a culture where, where, where we move from, from one outrage to another and, and, and we have activists all over the place, or as, as many commentators have started to call it, slacktivists who, who like to sit on their keyboards and to, and to incite controversy and to stir up difficulty on social media, that maybe you and I would be, would be well warned in these days to be people who, 
who would wait and see what the Lord is doing and see where our voice can be um, well used. And we see that that really and truly the Sanhedrin didn't follow um, the, the, the counsel of Gamaliel. It says, after, after all of this, it says that um, they were persuaded by him in verse 40. Um, but they were persuaded only for a moment. It said, after that, they called in the apostles and they had them flogged. They beat them. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they released them. In other words, they didn't just let them go about their business and, and to wait and see if this thing about Jesus came to anything. They, they brought them in. They, they beat them within an inch of their life, told them not to proclaim the gospel anymore and sent them out because, because ultimately they were scared. It says, then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin rejoicing, and they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. In other words, like they, they were blessed to be able to suffer because of the name of Jesus. They were counted worthy. Go over and look in, in Hebrews chapter 11, and it talks about those whom the world was not worthy of. Um, and, and it's the same kind of idea here that they were counted worthy of the name of Jesus because of the way that they stood up in the face of persecution and the way they stood up for the name of Jesus. And it says, then every day in the temple and in various homes, they continue teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus um, is the Messiah. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't back in 1521, Martin Luther, when he was when he was still a uh, a young priest and and was at, you know at that point of challenging um, the the church on on its loss of the gospel. Martin Luther was was called by Emperor Charles V um, to 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 account before the emperor and at this meeting called the Diet of Worms. Diet not meaning that Martin Luther was going to eat worms. It means that it was a formal we, uh, formal meeting um, and that that he was called to Frankfurt. Um, to stand before the emperor. Luther thought that the opportunity that he was going to have at this point was to defend his ideas and to, to tell the church and ultimately then to tell the emperor about why they were wrong. But what he found when he got there was that, that all that Emperor Charles wanted was for Martin Luther to recant his ideas and for him to get in line. Um, so legend has it that Martin Luther um, responded to Emperor Charles in the face of um, being told that he had to recant um, his understanding of the gospel, that he spoke those famous words, here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. And I think at the end of the day, it, it's, it's, it's wise for us to remember after what we've seen in the example of the apostles here that our job in culture is to testify to the reality of what we know about Jesus um, and to point to the life that can be found in Christ, which we found, and that here we stand and we can do no other than to say that and to point to that and to share that with the world. May God help us as we carry that message into our daily lives, um, into, the, into the lives of the people that we encounter, and may God help us to give a clear presentation of the gospel and the hope that we found in it. I hope today um, that you've had a, um, you've been blessed by this Bible study. Um, I thank you for listening and, uh, and we thank you for joining us again. Well, thanks Dr. Rick. And this week we are praying for the country of China. We are praying for our team that's serving in country uh, for Lily and Rebecca and Helen uh, and Nancy and the others. And we're praying for the relationships and continued favor with orphanage staff, local government officials, and the Triple CWA. We're praying for open doors with further education in China. 
praying that God would open doors for holistic orphan care to take place and opportunities to share lifeline training programs with government officials, staff, and nannies in China. We're praying for future trips to China, uh, for open doors to share the vision of Lifeline's ministry and to partner uh, in manifesting the gospel to vulnerable children. We're praising the Lord for a successful trip to China in August and September and the follow-up that we are able to have with CCCWA. We're praying for open doors in 2019 for a, a children's camp, a kids camp, both in country and hosting children here in the United States. We're praying specifically for the children currently living in orphanages and foster homes in China. We're praying for their physical safety. We're praying that they would hear the gospel and feel the Lord's arms around them in dark circumstances. We're praising the Lord for the lives of these children. He created them uniquely and that he loves them. We're praising the Lord for the provision of the staff and how they also love these kids. And we're praying for the preparations of files so that the children would be eligible for adoption. And we're praying that the gospel will continue to go forth in China. We're praying for believers to be strengthened and to be steadfast in the midst of heightened opposition to the gospel. We're praying that the Lord would soften the hearts of our unbelieving staff. We're praying for families who are struggling through post-adoption issues with many emotional and spiritual difficulties, that the Lord would bring wisdom, peace, and confidence in his sovereignty and hope. And we're praying that the Lord would provide more families who are open to older children and children with more significant special needs. We're praying that the Lord would protect our program overall in the midst of tough post-adoption situations and that the Lord would continue to provide many opportunities for matching families in the China program. We're praising the Lord for continued and gracious provision for our partnerships in China, missional and adoptive families, and many smooth processes. And we are praising the Lord for financial provision in the form of grants for families open to adoption but not able to afford it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to work in the country of China. And Lord, we pray for our team, specifically for Lily and for Rebecca and for Helen and for Nancy and for all of those who serve on our in-country team. We're, we pray for continued favor with orphanage staff and local government officials and the CCCWA. We're praying for open doors that will further education in China. And we're thankful for the trip that we had in August and September and pray that that would continue to open up doors for further opportunities to serve the children and the people of China. We're praying for open doors in 2019 for our China Kids Camp. And specifically, we're praying for kids in orphanages today and foster homes throughout China. We're, we're praying for their safety. Lord, we would ask that you would uh, help them and soften their hearts to the gospel and that you would wrap your arms around them in dark circumstances. We're, we're praying, Lord, that you would uh, uh, protect the lives of these children and help them know that they are created and uniquely and that you love them. Lord, thank you for the staff that you provided. And we just ask that, that staff would, would, in an expeditious way and in a, in a healthy way, prepare the files so that these children would be available for adoption. Lord, let the gospel continue to go forth in China and for believers to be steadfast and strengthened in the midst of heightened opposition to the gospel. And Lord, would you continue to give our program opportunities? Would you continue to wrap around your protection around our program that we would be able to see the gospel go forth in all that we do and all that we say? Lord, we love you. And we know that you love China way more than we ever could. And we pray that you would just preserve our brothers and our sisters, that you would give them perseverance amidst persecution, and that you would show them your steadfast love. We ask all these things in your awesome and holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll make sure not to miss our other podcast, which dropped today, which is day three of Advent on the Defender podcast, and visit 
lifelinechild.org backslash advent for more information to download our advent cards or to find out how you can get involved with Lifeline Children's Services 25 Days of Advent. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, would you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.